Before we get to today's episode of Off the Bench on the Wizards Podcast Network, we want to remind you to download the Wizards app on the go and in the palm of your hand. The official Washington Wizards team app is your mobile home for all things Wizards. Everything you need to know when it comes to game previews and recaps, radio broadcasts, and stats, all at the touch of a button. You can even access the Monumental Sports Network and the Wizards Podcast Network with ease. Download the official Wizards team app today. away and there it is history Russell Westbrook has just surpassed Oscar Robertson it lasted 47 years and now Russell Westbrook stands there all alone it's um it's just a blessing man you know you you put so much into the game you put so much time you sacrifice so much uh, to put into the game and to be able to uh, just be mentioned with guys like Oscar and Magic and Jason Kidd and those guys um, is just uh, something that I never um, would have dreamed about as a, as a young kid growing up in LA. And uh, I'm truly grateful for moments like this and uh, something that I should, uh, you know, no, normally I, I don't, I don't like, like to pat myself on the back, but tonight I will uh, just because, um, you know, I'm so grateful for the ones before me and, and so blessed and thankful for the men above for allowing me to, to go out and do what I do. And, you know, I take this job very seriously, and I'm super grateful for all my teammates and coaches along my journey thus far. And um, special thanks to my family uh, because uh, they sacrificed so much of their time and energy away from me to allow me to do some of the things I'm able to do. You know, my wife, my kids, my mom, my dad, my brother, um, the sacrifices they have done is uh, don't go unnoticed. And I'm, I'm just grateful for so many people. The list can go on. And, um, but I'm just appreciative of moments like this. What's up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another episode of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group and part of the Wizards Podcast Network. I'm Jackson Filio, joined by Zach Rosen here tonight, very, very shortly after Russell Westbrook just became the NBA's all-time leader in uh, career triple-doubles. We knew it was coming. We've been counting it down for... Weeks, months, last couple of days, however long you would like to extend uh, what was an inevitability at this point. But to finally see it happen, uh, I think was really special. Um, you know, it, it, was a, it was a dramatic game. We'll talk about the game a little bit. Um, you know, Wizards comeback comes up just short. But I, I think for me, the biggest takeaway, Zach, is just seeing the entire NBA community's reaction to Russ and, and what he did and then post game, how much that meant to him. Um, what about you? What's uh, to you the most about um, finally seeing this huge, huge moment that we knew was coming? Yeah, I think you're, you hit it on the head. I think in the moment, you know, when he got it, the wizards were coming back and, you know, eventually got right back into the game after being down 19 without Beal, but it, you could really tell. And of course we got some Intel from, behind the scenes that he watched the videos after the game and it just really touched him, um, especially seeing his family and then all the legends congratulating him. I'm sure everyone has seen Oscar, Magic, Jason Kidd, LeBron, all those guys. So um, that, and I think, you know, we saw a lot of the celebration already after the win over Indiana and just the way he won the game. And just imagine if he hits the shot tonight, but uh, regardless, I think, 
these are the type of moments that just solidify his legacy. Um, Obviously making the shot tonight would have been like an all time moment for him. Although he's had plenty of those already in his career. Uh, So that's really what it's about for him. Like his, his biggest thing about playing the game is legacy and impacting people off the court. Um, He does it for his family. He does it for his, his closest people, but he, he's got a pretty close circle. Um, He's not a very open guy um, when it comes to his personal life and he doesn't need to be, I think everybody knows him for who he is and his loyalty, his passion and his impact that will be felt 50 years from now, just like we're feeling Oscars. But the one thing that he will open up for a little bit, I think is those legends, those guys that came years before him, you know, it's, it's kind of the, uh, the Russell Westbrook competitive streak in him where he, he doesn't, he's a little less complimentary about his, his peers, the guys he's competing against. Um, teammates not so much he's you know speaks very highly of the guys he's playing next to and and what they do for him and how much he enjoys leading them but when it comes to the guys that he's competing against in the league right now he doesn't do that but you get him going on how much it means to him to hear from Oscar or uh, to hear from Jason Kidd or Magic Johnson or some of the other guys that were included in the congratulations video that the team put out tonight and and he lights up and it's not just, you know, the generic, oh, it means a lot because they did it before I did and, and all that. It, it puts a smile on his face. And it's really, really cool to see, as you mentioned, a guy that's a little bit more uh, closed off, open up like that. Um, yeah, no question. And, you know, it, it obviously came in, you know, these, these stat lines were becoming a little bit numb too, but it was another remarkable performance. It was 28 points, 13 rebounds, and 21 assists. The fact that we're getting used to 20 assist games is, is just, it's unfathomable at this point. Um, and, it, you know, he, he pounded his chest a little bit post-game talking about where he stands as the best playmaker in the league. And um, it, it's, it's fun to, to hear him do that. Cause I think that's the one thing that, you know, he takes a little bit of flack for throughout his career is, um, you know, this so-called idea of, of him being selfish, but then you see him, him go out and with Brad out when the team needs him to step up and do a million different things, he does, he does all 1 million of them and gives them a chance to win. Yeah. I mean, like regardless of the record, he was really, really good tonight. Um, I think the, um, the triple doubles and, and all that are, they're there for a reason. Like 21 assists is how many guys have even dished out 20 assists this season, probably five or less. And he's done it a bunch of times. He's on a crazy streak right now. Um, so you know, to get those assists, his teammates have to be put in the right position and make shots. And we saw Bertans go on a crazy heater um, to really get the team back in the game. And uh, I think the last couple games just have showcased <laughs> how important he is. And, and like, he, do- he doesn't do anything with purpose. And, you know, Royce will talk about that a lot. This is just how he plays the game. And the stats are just part of how he plays, just like Bertans the way he plays is jacking up three pointers and making 45% of them Uh, with Brad. It's being the second leading scorer. Like everyone has their way of impacting the game. Um, And we've seen the best representation of that from Russ over this, you know, stretch for the wizards are 15 and five in the last 20 games. I mean, he has along with Brad led the cat been been, they've been the catalyst and without Brad tonight and and on Wednesday, and then who knows when Brad will be back, you know, hopefully before the play-ins, take place um this is russ's team and 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 he showcases how he can really lead the offense and that's another thing like 
that we've taken for granted because of all the, the success and the defense has, has really stepped up. But offensively, the Wizards have been like a top five team over this stretch. And that's because of Russ and the offense he is generating um, for the most part, along with Brad by themselves, like almost all the team's points are from assists or points by them. Like if, when you, when you come down to it with the starting unit. Yeah. And I think we're past the point in the season where you can take moral victories. The wizards really need to rack up some wins here for the the sake of play and positioning over the course of the last week. So I don't think there's anybody in the locker room that would tell you that, um, you know, they can just shrug off a one point loss at this point, but all things considered Brad out the performance from Russ, a good opponent in Atlanta. Um, if they're able to bounce back from from this over the course of the next couple of games. Obviously, Atlanta again on Wednesday, you can look back and say, okay, that made sense. That one's excusable. It's another, you know, uh, one of the rare Wizards losses over the last month that has come by a point or in overtime or something like that. They've managed to be competitive in just about every single game that they've been in. But uh, we're getting down to crunch time here, and it's going to be a really, really fun um, final week. I mean, the standings are are close and uh, you know, there's, there's a lot at stake for this playing tournament. What are you, you watching for here, Zach? Well, I think it's, it comes down to the, the favorability of the remaining schedule. I think for the wizards, you know, they have no more back-to-backs, two of their three games are at home. Um, they're closing this five game road trip on Wednesday without Brad, but you know, hopefully he comes back over the weekend. Like we've been talking about um, the Pacers and Hornets have some tough games remaining. Um, the, the, Hornets are a game and a half up on the Wizards and hold the tiebreaker. So the Wizards need to win out and they need the Hornets to lose two out of their three, you know, essentially in something like that. They can't be tied uh, at the end of the year because the Hornets will get that eight spot um, and play a Celtics team, which a lot of people are probably counting out now that Jalen Brown's out for the year. Um, you look at the Pacers, uh, the Wizards have beaten them three times. It's going to be really tough to beat a team four times, but that may be the situation for the play-in. Uh, and then you look at the Bulls, who aren't out of it yet technically or mathematically, but uh, they've they got to win out and hope for some help. So um, it's going to be really interesting. I think, you know, if you're the Wizards, getting in the playing tournament is great, but you're in a position now to move up to nine or eight. I think either are good situations. Um, obviously, eight is preferable. You only have to win one game, but nine, you do get to host the first game. So that goes a long way. Um, and then you would have to, to beat the loser of the seven, eight. So um a lot to to take into consideration but luckily I think this team is taking every game one game at a time that's talked about all the time um and they're obviously playing really good basketball I mean the third quarter tonight just kind of killed them um but it's hard to maintain a level of consistency like they showed um over the past couple weeks without your your leading score I mean he's an all NBA player this year so um the numbers show it especially offensively the team struggles without him um, so they can take a lot from this game though, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, it's shaping up to be a really, really exciting final week of the season, partly because of the wizards and the fact that all they do is play close, exciting games and the opponents are against teams that are going to matter here in this playoff race. And then partly because the league has set up this, this play in structure that is, I think, paying off exactly how they want to across, uh, multiple levels of both conferences. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we are actually going to be back later this week. Um, for an episode breaking down everything play-in that you fans need to uh, know about heading into that. Matchups, scenarios, all sorts of different things going into the final week uh, of the regular season. But now we are going to go with an interview uh, with ESPN.com's Royce Young, who 
covered Russell Westbrook for years in his time in Oklahoma City and, and now covers the league nationally for ESPN. He, uh, he provided a lot of really great insight on what makes Russ who he is and how he got to this point. All right, we now welcome on Royce Young of ESPN.com, probably the guy most well-equipped to talk about Russell and his career and his journey, um, other than Russ and his family and friends and maybe Scott Brooks. But uh, Royce, thanks for joining us, man. You bet. I, 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 I think I'm more qualified to talk about it than Scotty. I, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so is there a moment, maybe a specific game or, or, or whatever, do you have a memory of um, kind of first considering the possibility of Russell breaking this record? I never considered it. I mean, like, and, and I honestly, like, I feel very foolish to have ever thought that way. But even, you know, I was up close and personal with the kind of original triple-double rampage in 2016-17, where Russ put up 42 of them. And it just seemed like, even at that time, because I think Russ even kind of got asked about it, about the all-time record, it just seemed like he started too late, you know, and – and like, wow, he's on an incredible run right now. And then, you know, he turns around and he averages a triple-double again the following year. And he kind of did it unceremoniously. It wasn't celebrated as much. It was kind of like, oh, wait, Russ is uh, – <clears throat> he's averaging a triple-double again. Can you believe that? But at really at no point did it seem reasonable that he could continue to keep that pace up. It, it just seemed like he would take a nosedive at some point and that when, it, when you'd look at it, he would be, you know, 36 years old, and like 15 short or 10 short and be like, well, it's kind of like tiger in the majors, you know, it's like, well, yeah, I guess technically he's within striking distance, but like, let's be real here. He's probably not going to get there, but like, that's just the mistake anybody ever makes about Russell Westbrook is you underestimate the guy. <laughs> and so, so uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I ever thought he could do it. How have you kind of seen him evolve? Like you're saying, you didn't really think he would, he would keep it going. I mean, he's, in what his 13th NBA season and, and really this past six weeks, especially has looked basically the, the same. He looked in previous years. I mean, not quite the MVP season caliber yeah. with the scoring, which he doesn't need to do here, but what have you seen? That's like kept this, this run going. Yeah. I don't really know what it, you know, obviously you can talk about things with Russ that, you know, his work ethic is truly unmatched in the NBA and the way that he keeps himself in peak physical condition, all those things, but really, it, it, it is just Russell's mindset and his approach. Um, I don't know that there is a player that I've ever been around that approaches each game so intentionally like Russell Westbrook does. And, you know, that obviously starts from like his preparation early in the day and, and the routine. You know, he's very, very rigid with routines, um, you know, eats the same thing, same pregame warm up, same bus, same arrival time, all those types of things. Um, and, and it's, and it's purposeful. And the reason for it is, is because he wants to create like a, a, a mentality going into a game that this game seriously is the most important game of his life. And that's how he's going to approach it. And I just don't think a lot of players, uh, can mentally have the stamina to, to feel that way about an 82 game season, or in this case, 72, that where you show up and you approach each game as if it means so much. And I, I really think that that's kind of the thing with Westbrook because, when he was going through all this um, things kind of the first couple times, you know, I, I really kind of wondered, cause I, I think for Russ, he's obviously in amazing condition and that's something he does. I thought the mental fatigue would catch up to him. Like th there's just something about trying to kind of show up and produce this way night in and night out. I, I think back 
one memory I have is the very first game post Durant was in Philadelphia and uh, Russ played just like out of his mind, played so hard. The Thunder came back and won a tough game on the road. It was Joel Embiid's debut. The Philly crowd was, uh, was like just going bonkers. Uh, the, the guy gave Russ the double birds in that game, if you remember. Um, and Russ just played like his heart out in that game. And I remember staying in the locker room with Russell and just like kind of thinking, and he's got 81 more of these. <laughs> How is this guy going to do this? Like, I'm tired. I, I don't think I can do 81. I don't know if I can do the next game. And like, he just, that's something about Westbrook is that he just shows up to the next game like the one before it never happened. <laughs> and he's just like, I've, I've never, I've never been around a guy that, that can have that kind of mental endurance like him. And that's obviously one of like the defining qualities of his career is that intensity and the consistency of it. When, and I think from, from our perspective, seeing him up close for the first time this season, I think one of the most um, impressive things is how he's imparted that on the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll hear Scott Brooks talk about, or his teammates talk about how he has changed other guys' routines, how he's talked to other guys, not about just succeeding on the court, but how to take care of your body and how to, how to prepare mentally and all sorts of things like that. When did you see him in his career? Obviously he had the intensity, he had his routine. He was, that's how he came up. That's how he got where he is. When did he start to impart that on teammates? When did it become part of his leadership? They're like, Hey, if you guys do more of what I do, it can help us all be more successful. That's a great question. I really think it it does align with Kevin Durant's departure. I I think, I, I just think that Russell, had, had a complete understanding of the influence that he could have on a locker room. And, and not to say that Russ wasn't a leader before that. I think he absolutely was, but he was, he was very much just kind of a, a lead by example guy, show up, play hard. And, and I think everybody kind of had their well-defined ro- roles and, and understood kind of their place on the team and, and what was going to make the best possible Thunder team there was, because look, those Thunder teams were amazing. Um, but I really think that when Russell kind of ha- had the, uh, was really kind of thrust into the situation where this is your team and they are looking to you. And, and a great example of this is, is Victor Oladipo. And, you know, Victor has long credited Russell Westbrook for kind of changing his mentality, changing his own personal approach, changing his, his work ethic and his off season routine. And, you know, you saw Oladipo have a good year in that one year with the thunder. And then he was going through this off season regimen training with Russell and Oladipo obviously uh, gets traded in the Paul George trade and goes to Indiana and becomes an all NBA player. And he's long talked about kind of the influence that Russ had on him to kind of understand on a day by day basis, Victor saw up close and personal. Oh, that's what it takes. Like that's, if you want to be great in this league, you got to be like that. And so I, I think that that's, you know, in those seasons, that's kind of where Russell kind of, I think gained an understanding of how influential he could be with teammates um, not just in, in his approach, because I think he is very inspirational to players um, on the court of just, you know, how hard he plays. I think it really kind of raises the level. Paul George talked about that a lot is that like, you know, Russ would just kind of give Paul the juice. Like it would just juice him up and bring out kind of the best in him. Um, some players, I don't know that, that that gets through with them with Russ, but, uh, but I do think that over the years, Russ has really kind of discovered the kind of the power of like, other areas of leadership other than just the, the walk, the walk stuff. I think Russ has really kind of figured out how to talk the talk over the last few years. Yeah. And a lot of casual fans around the league kind of just look to him and think he's stat padding and stuff like that. And I guess you have a unique perspective because you saw him, you know, really grow into the player he is now. What do you feel like are the misconceptions about him? Like his, his, just his game, not even like who he is. I mean, I feel like everyone is like, he's so intense. 
yeah he's an a-hole and all this stuff but like if you really get to know him that's not who he is yeah um, but on the court what do you feel like is the biggest misconception here's the thing hell yes he's stat padding but like why is that so bad like the game is about <laughs> stats like i think people have this idea that he's just out there for the numbers that's how they that's how they categorize stat padding right is that it's like i just want my personal statistics and i care about nothing else russell wants personal statistics because those personal statistics uh, statistics help his team win and like he he takes the approach of i can do everything on the court and so therefore i will do everything on the court and like it, it, it russ just takes the mindset of like if you want something done right you better do it yourself and like that's the way russ has always played and he's really kind of taken that to an extreme degree over the last few years and like i i think for anybody that watches him on a night in and out night out basis as you guys do you see that these like these rebounds are not just like handed to him you know, or that, you know, the, the assists are not just like he's he's like consciously seeking them out so that he can get to his 10 uh, on on any given night. They come within the flow of the game. He attacks the offensive glass. He jumps over seven footers like you see the the impact that a, a Russell Westbrook rebound can have where he he soars on the defensive glass out jumps Joel Embiid and then he gets out on the break and creates a three on two. Like, why is that bad? I just don't understand how people have taken this idea and, uh, and because he's made a triple-double so normal and so routine, as though, therefore it's bad. Um, you know, I, I think that one of the bis- biggest misconceptions about the way Russ plays is, like you said, is that there's some sort of, like, individual accomplishment that he's after. Like, when, has, when should anybody have ever doubted that all Russell Westbrook wants to do is win the game? Like, like if, if you've ever had a question about Russell Westbrook, it should never be that he wants to win. Like, so I don't understand. Now, does Russell want to win his way? I think that's fair to say. I think Russ wants to play his way and win his way. And I think he can be somewhat stubborn about that. And that's long been why he's been polarizing and, and one of the most discussed players in the league during his career. But I, I just, it drives me crazy when people like, use this kind of stat padding. Oh, he just wants his triple doubles. He just wants his round numbers things. It's some sort of negative thing. Like, I think Oscar Robertson even said it. Like, uh, I thought the whole point of the game was to get points, get rebounds, get assists, and win the game. <laughs> like, that's what Russell Westbrook does. I don't understand why that's so bad. And you mentioned his rebounding ability. I kind of wanted to, to dive in on that a little bit. Obviously, some part of rebounding is, is willpower and want to and desire. And obviously, that coincides directly with, as we've talked about, who Russell is. And some of his rebounds are going to come from that. But the numbers that he puts up as a point guard are, are just yeah. categorically insane. And right. Scott Brooks has talked about that. He's got, you know, the amount of games recently that it's been over 15 rebounds per game obviously goes well, well beyond just willpower. Um, you know, I remember there's the, the classic from the last dance that Dennis Rodman video where he's explaining, anticipating the bounces mm-hmm. where the ball is going to go off the rim and stuff like that. Um, Russ's skill from that perspective as a rebounder, the anticipation, um, you know, you're knowing you know, certain places to be at certain times based on where the ball is shot from. How do you, how do you um, evaluate him as a rebounder um, from an intellectual perspective and not just, you know, wanting it more or jumping higher than the next guy? It's, it's a great question. I think that, I'm trying to remember exactly the play, but I, I think I used it as, as kind of a scene in a story a few years ago during um, one of one of his triple double runs. But, you know, one of the things that's unique about Russell and like you're talking about how kind of he anticipates the, the direction of the ball or where a rebound might be going, but he combines that with like elite quickness. So it's one thing to kind of have an idea of where the ball might go. 
but you know, and be like, Oh, I think it's going to go over there, but Oh, they got to it before me. <laughs> like with Russ, he can anticipate it and then like shoot himself out of a cannon and go get the ball. And so the, his ability to combine kind of all facets of rebounding, um, I think is what makes him so unique. And obviously again, like just the mental stamina to just consistently go after the ball night after night. Um, you know, like he sees, he sees the ball in the glass and he thinks it's his. Uh, but I do, I do think that Russell really kind of approaches rebounding in a cerebral manner. It's not just brunt force. I'm just going to jump over everybody and grab the ball. I, I think that you can see it sometimes where he is anticipating the direction of a rebound and he, and he just combines that with his elite athleticism to be able to just beat everybody to the ball. And again, when, you know, back to the whole idea that like somehow him getting the rebound is bad. You know, I, Russell one time said this, that like, if it was so easy, then everybody would be doing it. Like Russ is making millions and millions of dollars being the triple double guy. You know, like he's, he's going to go down as uh, one of the, you know, first ballot hall of famer. He's got an MVP, been a multiple all NBA teams, all-star teams, multiple max contracts. If it all it took is just, you had to go get 10 of each thing. Everybody would be doing this. <laughs> so like, it, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me um, that when you, when you watch these things, like you're talking about, and, and the elite skills that he has, whether it's the athleticism or just kind of his mental approach or the intelligence to know, like he puts it all together. And, and if it was so easy, everybody would be doing it. The Wizards, uh, you know, same head coach, some of the same athletic staff, a lot of the same assistants are, are from the Thunder. Has it been interesting for you to kind of watch from afar? I know you don't, you know, watch every single game on League Pass, but like, have you noticed like, oh, look, I, I remember remember him being on the bench uh, for Scotty, you know, back in the day. Has it been just interesting to see almost like the reincarnation of that play out? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's always great to see uh, kind of the, the tree, you know, grow out and, and a lot of people uh, still kind of find good spots in the league. And, um, and, I, and I think that just kind of that, that comfort level for both Scotty and Russell probably is a really good thing of kind of the infrastructure. You know, I know that um, hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn, but I know one of the big, focuses of the of the Wizards of the last couple of seasons was to kind of uh, reinstall a culture and, and a professionalism to the team. Right. And, you know, I, I think that Scott really, you know, w- one of his his elite skills as a coach is locker room culture. And, and I, you know, he obviously did that with OKC and growing that young roster together. Now he has he has a different um, a different group in D.C. with with a more um, veteran Russell Westbrook than, than a young Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden. But, but I think that a lot of those same principles still apply. And so that's, I, I think that you can kind of see the camaraderie, the connectiveness um, and, and just kind of the overall professionalism because you know, in years past, the wizards just weren't considered to be that. And I think that Scott Brooks really has taken a mindful approach to say, I want to make the Washington wizards feel like we are a top tier professional team, that we have the right approach. And then when people, when we, when we walk into a building, people are going to respect us for, for the way that we, we play this game. And so I think that he's brought that with a lot of the same staff members, with a lot of the same players um, and with his own approach, I think he's really kind of been able to install a lot of that with the wizards. Right. And Tommy Shepard, the GM, like as soon as he was hired, that was like one of his you know priorities was like, we need to reset this culture here and be more professional and stuff like that. So it's a good point that you hit on. And specifically to Scott and his relationship with Russ, we've heard Russ a couple of times over the last few weeks, you know, express, express how grateful he is to Scott Brooks for allowing him to be him and helping him along in his developmental path, specifically in terms of, of their relationship. What is it about them together that you think clicks so well? 
Well, I, I think you, you hit on it that, you know, I, I think that Scott has kind of a unique ability to let Russ be Russ while also have able to kind of break through and coach him. Um, you know, there is just a built-in trust level there that, that Scott, you know, I, I think that that's the case with a lot of players, but even, even with Russell is that Scott was there with Russ when he was a young player, kind of went through the growing pains and the development. But one thing about Scott Brooks is that he was rigid in his defense of Russell Westbrook and that he, he stood by his side. He would go to the media, even when, you know, you'd have media members knocking down the door on, on Scott Brooks talking about, he's not a point guard or he's not this, or what that was a terrible shot or what are you going to do about Russell? Scott Brooks really never wavered in his, in, in standing by uh, Russell Westbrook. And I, and I think that that really has kind of just, just kind of had a built-in equity in their relationship. So, you know, they, they may have spent years apart, but I, I you know, the, the trust level and the respect um, has always remained between Scott and Russell. And, you know, that was, you know, Scott was right there at the forefront of Russell's development um, from, from a guy that as a rookie led the league in turnovers was kind of a, I don't want to call him a disaster as a point guard, but like he really, it was really a good question of like, can this guy really run an NBA team? Like, is he, is he too reckless? Uh, is he, is he too um, erratic? And Scott Brooks, you know, along with the Thunder front office, just really never wavered in their belief of Russell. And, and so I think that that kind of trust level has always maintained. Um, and, you know, I, I think for, for Russell, he's coming back to be coached by Scotty. You know, I, I just think that, you know, that, that was always kind of the book on Scott, like in a negative way is that, you know, he, 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 uh, he let Russ be Russ too much. Um, is that so bad though? I mean, the guys, in, <laughs> like, I, I think that that's kind of one of the things about Russell is that, to a certain degree, you have to let him be himself. And, and I think that Scott has always kind of found a pretty good balance in, in his ways of trying to coach Russell while also letting him tap into to what makes him so unique. No, Russ isn't retiring, but of course everyone's like, this is almost feels like his retirement because everyone's bringing right. this back is your his life, old Russell. stories. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you, what is your like go-to Russell Westbrook story when, when people ask you about covering him all those years? Oh man, there's so many great Russell stories. <laughs> uh, like, you know, I, I don't know that I have a go-to one. I mean, there, there's so many great just memories just from games themselves. Um, and, and the way that Russell would just kind of engineer a comeback on his own. Um, one of my favorite though, personal stories that I like to tell is so Russell, I think I'm still blocked on Twitter by Russell and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and I, years ago, I, I uh, and I've always had a good relationship with Russ and I was walking out of the, of the, of the game with him, and I was like, Hey Russ, um, uh, I brought it up to him one time and I said, Hey, I'm blocked on Twitter. And he was like, Oh, I'll, I'll, I don't know why that doesn't, I, I didn't, he was like, I didn't do it. Like, let me take care of that. And I said, okay. And so I was walking out with him in a game. I was like, Hey, I'm still blocked on Twitter. What's the deal? Like, and he was like, Oh, I'll get it fixed. Like, that's my bad man. I was like, Oh, good. I was afraid you didn't like me, Russ. And he, and he stopped and he like looked at me and he was like, I don't not like you. <laughs> I was like, I think that's a compliment. And I think I'm going to take that as a good thing. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I don't exactly know what you mean, but to me, that was always a pretty good encapsulation of my relationship with Russ. Well, and I mean, you, I remember you hopped in on, on one of our Zoom press conferences earlier in the season and his face lit up a little bit. You could tell that, that there's still some memory there. And, and um, we spent a lot of time together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. I want to talk a little bit about him, him pairing up with Brad and how, how well Brad fits next to him as a player. And we've seen Ross play along so many uh, of the league's superstars. So there's a lot of test cases 
for this, but I mean, it, it really seems, and now we've got almost a season's worth of data on it where they're really bringing a lot of good out of each other and right. it's really clicking. And as the season progresses, it, it's only, um, it's only increasing. H- how close to perfect of a fit do you think Brad is next to Russ when it comes to play style? Look, Russ plays great against scores. And you know, that again, that when you talk about just the incorrect stereotypes with Russell, it's that he's like some sort of ball hog or that he doesn't bring the best out of other, out of teammates. You know, I know that Steph and, and Brad are going back and forth and it's, you know, it's tough to say who's going to win the scoring time, but if Brad wins the scoring title, that would be the fifth scoring title that Russell Westbrook was the point guard for. Like Kevin Durant won four scoring titles with Russell Westbrook, this supposed ball hog that doesn't make anybody better. Kevin Durant won four scoring titles with Russ as his point guard. And so now this would be another scoring title that Russ could put kind of um, on the tally. So, you know, I, I think that that's one of the things like Russ, Russ is a very willing passer. The, the thing is, is that Russell Westbrook's offenses just aren't these like high ball moving spacing type of offenses where the ball whips around and, you know, seven or eight passes in a possession. And it, cause it doesn't need to be because Russell Westbrook can straight line drive, beat a man, uh, beat his man on defense and find somebody open in one pass. Like that's, that's the kind of the beauty of Russell Westbrook. And so when you combine that with a high level score, like a Brad Beal that moves great in space, um, an amazing shooter can get to the free throw line, can put the ball on the floor. Like Russell Westbrook is going to collapse a defense and give a guy like Beal so many opportunities to shoot, drive, whatever. Um, and that you saw that with Durant, you saw that with Paul George. And so I really just think that, you know, you know, NBA executives are very, very smart, but it doesn't take a very smart one to know (laughs) that you put a guy that can create shots at such an elite level, like Russell Westbrook alongside an amazing scorer like Bradley Beal, and you're going to get the best of both worlds there. So like, I I think that that's why that partnership really works is, and and plus, you know, I don't want to say there's no ego there because those guys obviously have big egos because they're all-star caliber players. But like, I think that there's, there's no, there's no rivalry between them about like who's scoring and who's not, you know, I I think Russ is just as thrilled with a Brad Beal 40 or 50 point game as Russ is with his own personal triple double, because it means Russ knows that he did his job. Russ thinks of himself as a point guard and he takes offense to people that don't think of him as a point guard. And so his job is to set the table. And, and so I I don't think that, you know, I think Russ in some ways, I'm sure he's, he's, if he, if he's going to power rank his achievements for the season, his personal achievements, I think, you know, at, you know, averaging the triple double and breaking the record would probably be up there. But I think Brad winning the scoring title would mean a lot to Russell too, because I think that that's just a good illustration of how well that partnership works. Yeah, and I think for them, it's just the mutual respect. I know, like when Russ was traded here, Scott Brooks told him, "Hey, like this is Brad's team, and you need to understand that coming in this building, like you're going to have your imprint, you're going to do what you need to do, do. But at the end of the day, we're we're building this for Brad. And I think Russ accepted that because he had that respect for Brad." And then on the other side, Brad kind of looks up to Russ like a, it's almost like a big brother relationship, I think, right. because of the MVP and he's in Hall of Famer and everything. And Brad just has gained so much respect for the way he goes about things, because like in Brad's mind, Russ does everything the right way, you know, from a leadership standpoint, preparation, like that's who Brad wants to be. So I think the partnership has worked really well because of those factors. And, and one thing I'd add to that is that. You know, one thing I've, I've realized with Russ over the years is that when he has a peer on a team, whether that's Durant, whether that's Paul George, whether that's James Harden, whether that's now Bradley Beal, you know, I think it brings out the best in Russell because, you know, one of Russell's negatives is that he can be kind of, and I say this, you know, not in necessarily his approach, but just in, in terms of efficiency, he can be very inconsistent. I'm sure you guys have seen it. 
that one night, oh man, Russell was, you know, 10 of 17, took all good shots. It looked great, you know, got to the rim. The next night, oh, he's six of 21. <laughs> like, and so you can kind of ride that Russell Westbrook efficiency wave. But when you pair him alongside a guy like Beal or Durant or Paul George, that is a very stable, consistent, efficient scorer, you can get the best of both worlds with Russell. You get the maniac that is grabbing rebounds and creating shots. And so that that six of 21 game doesn't hit you as hard because he's being stabilized by the high level efficient score that scores at all levels on the court. So, you know, I think that that's why that works so well and why Russell, you get the best of Russell when he's playing alongside somebody that can score so efficiently. Last question for you, Royce. How many uh, triple doubles do you think Russ ends with? I know that's putting you on the spot to do some quick math, but let's, let's say he's, he's about to hit, I think, probably between 35 and 40 this year in right. a shortened season. You got to give a number. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I hate to underestimate Russ again, especially if Russ hears about this, he'll never forgive me. Um, I mean, so I feel like I have to say like 600, but, <laughs> but um, I'm going to say, so he's, he's, he's 32 still, right? Or is he 33 yet? Uh, what is, how is the oldest? 30, 32. 32. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say he plays at an unbelievably high level for another three years where he's like this complete maniac. Uh, so it's like 25 triple double. I'm going to say he finishes at like 240. That's that, crazy. Is that yeah, way like too obviously, high? the 181 number is getting its proper due. That's the NBA record, and that's the number right. we should be paying attention to right now. I don't think we're talking enough about the fact that it's going to get close to like 250 by the time he yeah. retires. I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, it's like Hank Aaron's uh, home run record. I know Barry Bonds broke it, but it's like it, it's like it got broken and then reset at 1200. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, um, wow, that's uh, that wasn't really all that close, you know. So again, I think that that's just you know I wrote about this years ago of just how Russell broke the the concept of the triple double. Like it was this statistical achievement where it felt like you had a, and you can go down the line of how many guys like it's mattered to them to get you know the Ricky Davis example or whatever it might be to get those three round numbers is meaningful to people and it means that you had a great well rounded game. You did everything at every level at an extremely high level. And, and Russell has just normalized that to such a degree where it's the same thing as, as a great score like Bradley Beal where, oh, Brad had 33 tonight and you don't even bat an eye because you're so used to it. It's just normal to you. But if, if Rui showed up and he had 36, you'd be like, wow, nice game. <laughs> like mm -hmm. that pops out of the score, scorebook at you, you know, like you notice that. Um, and, and Russell has just taken, you know, 20, 10 and 10 and made it just feel so routine that it doesn't feel special anymore. And to me, that is the greatness of Russell is to take something that is an achievement that is, is, uh, you know, that is notable and to make it just as, as a footnote that, that to me is, is true greatness. Yeah, well, Royce, this has been fantastic, man. Thank you for the time and the insight. We, we really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. My pleasure.